Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast that seeks to recover authentic Christianity and live it out today. Did you know the Unitarian Christian Alliance just launched a podcast? In this interview, Mark Kane explains what he aims to do with this newest addition to One God podcast and how the UCA podcast is different from the others. Ultimately, he wants to see Unitarian Christians carry ourselves with confidence, knowing that our faith is firmly rooted in the scriptures. Here now is episode 368, Introducing the UCA Podcast with Mark Kane. Well, Mark Kane, thanks so much for coming on Restitutio today. I'm glad to have you. It's a pleasure, Sean. Thank you. Today we're talking about the UCA podcast, Unitarian Christian Alliance, and I'm real excited about that and what you've been up to there. But before we get into that, let's let's hear about you just a little bit. Can you share a little bit about your background and uh, maybe a little bit about the Kane dynasty, uh, <laughs> which not all of our listeners might be aware of? <laughs> well, my father was a, a pastor in the Church of God General Conference. So I grew up with him as my pastor. He had a difficult childhood and didn't have a lot of self-confidence. So his habit was to write manuscript sermons out, every single sermon, even to the point of putting laughter in parentheses in spots. (laughs) But the result of it, because he was actually really smart and a very humble guy, is I had 35 years with him as my pastor, listening to well-considered, carefully presented sermons. And I think that that kind of exposure to really good content helped form my mind. And my dad had five children, and my two brothers are also pastors in the Church of God General Conference. I was going to be a pastor, and my third year at Atlanta Bible College, I realized I would rather do radio. So I came home and told my dad the sad news that I wasn't going to follow in his footsteps, and he wasn't nearly as sad as I thought he would be. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, that's fine. What are you going to do then? I was like, well, I kind of want to do radio. I'd actually had a dream of doing talk radio in the early days. I thought that um, people like Hank Hanegraaff and the Bible Answer Man program were just atrocities. And I knew it could be done better. So I wanted to have a talk show. (laughs) Wow. You definitely have a voice for radio. Well, thank you. I went to a I went to radio training to get into the radio business, and I did do some radio. I played black gospel from midnight to 5 a.m. on a local (laughs) AM AM radio station. And and it didn't take us all too long, my wife and I and my mother, to realize this was not going to go well. I'd probably have to be in the industry for 15 years or more before I could finally do something. And then I'd have to find a Christian radio station that wanted a heretic to have a great program on there. Yeah. Yeah, so I changed my mind. And what did, what did you go into? I went into software instead, went back to school, got a computer science degree, and now I work at a medical imaging company. Okay, very good. Yeah. So for you, there wasn't a, a moment where you came alive theologically or as far as living out your faith. You were somebody who was raised in the faith and then never really decided to stray from it. Yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. I had it from childhood all the way to adulthood. As I said, my father was my pastor for 35 years because I moved back in with him after college for a few years while I got my bearings together and got some radio training. And then I attended church with him there in uh, northern, Northeast Ohio. He was always the biggest influence on me theologically, and he was a very humble and gracious person. And I think that helped yeah. me tremendously. 
he was kind to me when I came through back in, what was that, 2000-something, 2005, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. I remember um, you coming through. <laughs> I remember you, you too. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look, another cane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, the cane, you mentioned the cane dynasty. He had, yeah. he had five kids, and we've all had additional children. So there's actually, I think, 35 or more through marriage uh, people in our extended family as a result of my dad, who could have easily gone a different direction, which is another story altogether, but he didn't know what to do with his life. And he was about to get into a car and go sign up to be in the military for lack of anything to do. And he got a call from the pastor, the pastor of the local church, and said, hey, have you considered a Bible college? So that little transition in his life where he went to Bible college, met my mother, became a pastor, now has resulted in 30-plus people and is an extended family who are also in the faith. We're all uh, Unitarian Christians and active. It's really quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really an uh, example that I hope my family will, uh, will follow, but, uh, you know, it's a tricky thing to micromanage that, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you this. When did you realize that most Christians had a different view of Jesus than you and your church and your denomination? Was that early on, or later yeah. in life? Very early. I was in okay. probably by junior high and high school. I would go over to friend's house with a concordance and the diaglot, which is the old Greek. Benjamin Wilson. Benjamin Wilson. Yeah, I had that. We would go over to friend's house. We'd stay up late uh, arguing theology into the night. Wow. High school. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So uh, one last question about you. What, what yeah. ministries are you currently involved with? Well, currently I, I have multiple hats at our local church treasurer, elder, fill-in speaker, musician. I do that. At our conference level, first in our state of Ohio, I'm currently the president of the Northeast Conference. It's a small group, but we we have a great camp every year. And going one step beyond that, I'm also currently serving on the board of directors for the General Conference, which is the whole denomination, the Church of God General Conference. And then on top of that, I'm a member of the UCA board, which is how I ended up doing a podcast, I think. Wow. You're super involved. Yeah. In the last two years, everything has changed. I went from just being <laughs> focused on the kids, getting the kids grown up and, you know, my job. And two years ago, I think Converge actually was what started it. The Converge event that we had, yeah. a lot of Unitarians came and met in Northeast Ohio. I got to help with that. And that was probably a pivotal moment as far as how we ended up with the UCA podcast. I hadn't met a lot of others outside of our denomination over the years. Uh, most of the people I would meet are people I would disagree with and have arguments with, just typical Christians. But at the Converge event, being involved with that and helping to put it on and seeing the people and what it meant to them, it was powerful for me. I still yeah. remember one woman who came up to me at the very end after lunch. It was Stacy, if you're there. Hi, Stacy. She said to me, she says, Mark, thank you so much. And she like emotionally said, these are my people. She had lived out west, and she was isolated mostly already just from space, but she didn't even have a fellowship. It really hit home how much it meant for some of these people to be in a room with hundreds of people singing together, unified, as opposed to the experience that most Unitarian Christians get, which is I'll sit in the back row of the church, and I'll just change the words quietly to myself when we get to it, or I'll go start a home fellowship, and maybe we'll struggle, and there'll only be two or three people. To have a right. large group of people— 
it just meant so much to me and I was so glad to do it. And that is what spilled into my involvement with the UCA itself. Yeah. And, uh, and we had just launched the UCA prior to Converge. Because I remember I uh, I pitched it a little bit one of the sessions. Mm-hmm. Maybe, what was it, six months before? Something yeah, like I think that? so. I had started working with the Converge team quite a bit before the actual event. But during that time, I met the UCA people, and I ended up joining you guys for that. Okay. And we did announce it at the Converge event. All right. Well, we should probably explain the UCA in a little more detail for anybody that's not familiar with it. So let's uh, let me ask you this, Mr. Board mm-hmm. Member. I'm also a board member, full disclosure. <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> full disclosure. Um, but let me ask you, that you're on the hot seat, so I'm going to ask you. How would you describe the UCA? What is the UCA? It's an organization that serves two purposes. One, to connect Unitarian Christians. And two, to provide them additional resources in that category, the Unitarian Christian category. It's not a typical ministry, like a church or a missions group, that teaches and has a broad suite of doctrines and practices and teaching that they do. It's very focused, and it's done. It's focused for a reason. I like to say it this way. There's a reason that homeless shelters exist, and it's because there are homeless people. And a homeless shelter serves that purpose. The homeless shelter doesn't serve every purpose under the sun, or it would you might just exclude people from coming into the homeless shelter. It'd be like, well, mm-hmm. we only accept homeless people who have signed this statement and who do this or who do that. To me, the UCA is sort of like a homeless shelter. There are Unitarian Christians all over the world that feel rather isolated. They feel disconnected, and they want fellowship. They want others because of how the uh, church has basically treated them. And for that purpose, then, we created this network. The UCA has a member directory that uses like postal codes in countries to find others that would be near you. It's just to connect people together. It's to create fellowship. There's no middleman there either, right? I mean, people can just directly connect with each other. Yeah, the intention was to make it crowdsourced, basically, so that there isn't somebody who has to sit there and read through every application to be a part of the UCA, because, you know, I fully expect that there will one day be tens of thousands of people in here. That's my optimism. But there are that many people in the world who are Unitarian Christians, plenty more than that. And nobody will manage tens of thousands of people manually. It has to just be, hey, here am I. I'll go in and I'll sign up and I become a member of it. And now I can find people and reach out to people near me. And it just works. We don't, you know, hands off. We can't manage that many people. So by making it broad, by making the statement, the we call it the affirmation, very simple, that we believe that God is one and he's the father of Jesus, our human Messiah. That simple statement casts a net much wider than a very detailed mm-hmm. list of doctrinal distinctives. And it's not that those other doctrines aren't good and valuable. It's just that if we want to meet Unitarian Christians in all walks of life who've come from all sorts of denominations and are literally floundering sometimes. Where do I go next? This is a place that they can go. You got kicked out of your house. You're walking down the street. You go to a homeless shelter. You got kicked out of your church and you want to find somebody. Well, you go to one particular Unitarian group and maybe they have all sorts of statements that they believe. And you're like, I don't know what any of these things even mean. I don't know if I'll feel welcome. Well, you can feel welcome at the UCA. You'll become exposed to those other people through fellowship and linking. That's how you meet them and how maybe you learn some of the other things that are going on out there. But at least there's no barrier to entry of the at the UCA, right? And uh, we should also mention that uh, UCA, as you've said in the podcast, 
is nothing to do with the Unitarian Universalists, who um, many of whom are not even Christian or don't even accept the Bible as any kind of authority, uh, that we are uh, Unitarian Christians, which is different than Unitarian Universalists. Um, yes. And uh, that distinction, I think, is pretty important. Uh, let me yeah. ask you—I'm sorry, were you going to say something else there? Well, I was going to say, I made a point of mentioning it in the first three episodes at some point, yeah. in each and every yeah. episode, because it is confusing to people. Well, yeah, the, the U word has been dragged through the mud. That's unfortunate, but it is the word that describes the belief that all Jews have, all Muslims have, and I would argue all early Christians had as well, including Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think the word is unfortunate to have this baggage with it, but um, it is an accurate word for what we believe. Let's move on to the podcast. Mm -hmm. what, what goals are you trying to accomplish here with this podcast? Well, the podcast is going to mirror the same goals of the UCA itself. It's just doing it in an audio format. I intend the podcast to help connect people, and I intend it to point to great resources. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I will do more than just that, but at the root, that's what it is. I want Unitarians, especially the Unitarian Christians who are truly isolated, to get to know people. I want them to feel like, oh, like in the recent episodes with Hildy Chandler, I want them to, if one day they meet Hildy in person, they would know who she is and they would feel a connection immediately because Hildy divulged some points in her life that give you a window into her soul, into her yes. experience. So the goal is to have a lot of people on the UCA podcast, a lot of discussions, a lot of personal human interest kind of interactions so that you get to know them and you feel more connected to the other Unitarian Christians. And you have great discoveries of how people dealt with being a Unitarian in this world. As I like to say in my show description, it's about living as a lowercase u Unitarian in a Trinitarian majority world. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of nuances to that experience, and people have felt it in many different ways. I want people to experience it through other people's eyes. I want them to appreciate what other people have gone through. There aren't that many Unitarian Christian churches in the world. I happen to be born into one, and I've lived my whole life this way. Many people who come to this understanding get there through very bumpy processes, and it yes. wasn't smooth. This is an experience for me to also enjoy and learn from how they got there and what happened and how they live, you know, what they do. I want to cover a lot more than just, hey, tell me how you became a Unitarian Christian. How did you, you know, that that's interesting. But after 50 or 60 shows of people saying, you know, what their favorite verse was that turned their mind around, that's going to get old. I want to know about what they do. I want to hear the stories in their life. One day I'd like to have a chaplain on. How does it work being a Unitarian Christian as a chaplain where you're serving people of all people, you know, like in a hospital, you're just sitting down with somebody who may have no understanding of theology. Right. Yeah. You're looking for the broad scope, you're looking for the big umbrella, and mm -hmm. uh, you're looking to help people have a place to land. I mean, what was it, just uh, today or yesterday, we had somebody come in the, the Facebook group, and this happens all the time, where somebody will reach out on email or some other medium and said, hey... I, I'm new here. I don't really know anything about who you people are, but uh, <laughs> I, I've come to see that God is one, so help me out. And so I, I really like that homeless shelter analogy, and the podcast can be a way to further that reach of telling the stories of, of different people. Uh, now, let me ask you this, and this, I don't mean, I don't want you to take this question in the wrong way, but uh, I think it is kind of a, an, an obvious question to ask. Considering the fact that there are 
so many other Unitarian Christian podcasts out there already. Why do we need another one? Well, Sean, this podcast is serving a different kind of need. There are already theology podcasts that exist. Uh, Dustin Smith has one on biblical Unitarianism. Yours is a very broad, I consider it like a smorgasbord. You can go back to your history of episodes and probably find something on everything. Uh, teachings, classes that you've done, theology, it's, it's just, you know, it's really broad. And like Dale Tuggy's podcast is very focused on the topic of the Trinity, but it's more, again, it's more theological. Uh, the way I describe the UCA podcast, it's not a theology podcast, but theology is sitting on the front row with its hand raised saying, ooh, me, me. It's right there, but it's not the <laughs> point of the show. The point of the show is to meet the people, and the theology is what brought us there and what makes it uh, unique and interesting to other Unitarian Christians. It's just a different kind of thing. It's focused mostly on human interest. Yeah, it seems more of a community approach. Yeah, I, I intend to actually, over time, interview lots of podcast hosts. I don't know how many there are ultimately out there doing programs which are Unitarian yeah. Christian theology. Well, you got Bill Schlegel as well. Yes, the Bill Schlegel's report. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Bill Schlegel's podcast is an ex excellent mm -hmm. example, and he even has some interviews as well. I mentioned his uh, interview with that family in one of my podcasts because I want people to know that there are other resources out there. Yeah. My goal is yeah. to point them to things and let them know this stuff could be helpful here. That could be helpful over there. So it's yeah. really, I'm just pointing my finger. Yeah, I think there is a sense in which we're not in competition with each other. Rather, it's the sort of situation where we all work together to mm -hmm. lift each other up and that together we're stronger. I would say the more websites, the more podcasts, the more YouTube channels, the more published books, and other resources that we have that can link to each other and be like, oh, yeah, well, the UCA is also doing this, and Dale Tuggy's doing that on Trinities and, and so on, and, uh, and you know, mentioning the Atlanta Bible College as a place to get training. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, the UCA's scope is so broad, I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of engagement with Christadelphians, a lot mm -hmm. of engagement with people from other backgrounds that maybe— in the United States, we're, we're a little less familiar with, but for example, in Asia or in Africa are thriving. So yeah. uh, I, I think you definitely do meet a different need and that there's a sense of which, like, even if, I would say, even if you did the exact same thing as another podcast, it's still good to have another one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Just for, uh, you know, more more links on Google's uh, search engine algorithm and whatnot, you yeah. know, we really do lift each other up. So it, it is a it is a good thing. Yeah, I mentioned that to Hildy in one of our interviews. I said, well, there's, the more resources that exist out there, the better it is for somebody searching the internet, because they might ask a very specific question about a very particular thing, and you want them to hit something. The last thing you want is for somebody to ask a really good question on Google and to come up with only one-sided answers that are traditional Christian and, and not hit upon an alternate perspective. So we're all doing our part. Talk to me about your style a little bit. To be honest, from your first episode, you sound like a New Yorker. Um, like half the time, you're not serious. Where did you get that style from? And are you worried that people are not going to get your humor? Yeah, I guess I'm a little worried about that. I don't know where I got it from. I grew up surrounded by Unitarian Christians, going to events with Unitarian Christians. I learned to be very comfortable in this skin. As a result, 
I've eventually given up worrying what other people think for the most part. I want them to have a good experience, but I'm not concerned that they will think something specifically about me. And as a result, you know, I have a little more fun than maybe maybe I should. And it's, it's possible. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't turn it down on my account. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to make a point to poke my finger in different areas. I don't feel that only Trinitarians need to have, you know, hey, knock, knock, knock. You know, this is a little strange because we all do it. We all have this problem. I've generally recognized that nobody is really good at this. We all are subject to the things that we heard when we grew up. We're all warped by the society we live in. And it takes deliberate effort to back out, to calm down, relax, to be comfortable with discomfort and let something mull over in our mind and be like, I don't understand this. And it's okay that I don't understand this. I don't know where to go with this. And it's okay that I don't know where to go with this. So I'm okay with asking hard questions or weird questions or poking the bear a little bit here and there. Sometimes I'll probably poke Unitarian Christians just as much as I poke the Trinitarian Christians because we need it. It's okay yes. mm -hmm. to ask questions, to say, well, why do I think this way? Well, it's because my pastor always thought this way, and is that a good reason? So mm -hmm. I'm a little cantankerous in, in what I do, but it's because I want it to be interesting. Well, that's, that goes back to my radio desires. I listened to these programs that made me want to stick ice picks under my fingernails and then soak them in lemon juice. <laughs> they were bad. I mean, the gall to have a program called The Bible Answer Man, where you just take one call after another and answer the question and then move on to the next call, as if there's a human who could really do that. And people would just treat him like, oh, yeah, he knows the answers. We're going to call and get the answer. Okay, thank you. Next caller. And Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. I was like, I never got to listen to that one. I've heard of it, though. I have a few cassettes where I recorded them off the air, just some of those moments where like, I cannot believe this happened. Like, we're going to hang up on you. <laughs> and he hangs up. on. Oh, it's terrible. But when I was at the Bible college, when I was attending, thinking I was going to be a pastor, I worked at the college in the publishing department. Gordon Landry, wonderful man, would have the radio on. And I was listening to WLS out of Chicago, and they had different kinds of hosts all through the day. So I heard several. And I remember thinking, we need a program that people want to listen to, that they just enjoy listening to. And you get that when somebody kind of goes a little bit New York, when they feel like, I'm just going to say this, and I don't care, because it makes it interesting. So yes. that's, yeah. that's where I thought, okay, let's dump the Bible Answer Man model, and let's go with, hey, this can actually be fun. I want mm -hmm. Unitarian Christians, especially those who have been very accustomed to being quiet, timid, you know, like, I don't want don't to say too much. I, don't wanna... I mean, that is yeah. the experience of so many of us. I want them to hear me just going to town on something, just having a little bit of fun with it, laughing, using sound effects, stopping by a car dealership, whatever it takes. Uh -huh. And and like, hey, this is cool. You know, it's it's okay to be a little more forthright about your beliefs, at least, or maybe enjoy it vicariously yeah. through me if you still want to be timid. That's fine. But yeah. know that there are some people out there who, who really don't care anymore <laughs> and are willing <laughs> to say whatever. I think that's awesome. That's awesome. I, 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 see the, I just see this all the time. You know, to be honest, yeah. and what the UCA is encouraging all of us to do is to stand up, raise your hand, and be counted. Yeah, it's such a simple thing. But if you can learn anything from social movements, from you know the the right for women to vote, uh, from the gay movement, from uh, any number of these, uh, the civil rights movement, right? 
it all they always involve the successful ones at least people standing up and saying yes i am committed to this and i know it's unpopular and i'm going to probably suffer for it but to me it's worth it anyhow and you know the mormons did this uh, wonderfully on on youtube not that i agree with mormon theology but mm-hmm. uh, i was impressed by their marketing strategy you know and they just owned it on youtube they they bought out all these ads this is probably 10 years ago now they bought out all these ads probably spent millions of dollars and wow. got got their like trendiest members to do these short little vignettes, and then which had nothing to do with religion at all. And then at the very end, they said, "And I'm a Mormon." And <laughs> uh, you know, they just wore the label because if you know anything about Mormons, they 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 tend not to even like the word Mormon. They usually insist on saying, "No, I'm I'm part I'm part of the Church of Christ of the Latter Day Saints." Right? That's their preferred mod- but there was this campaign where they're just they just owned it and that's what the uca is doing we're just owning the word unitarian we're like yeah we know some people don't like this word we know a lot of people don't know anything about this word but it is the word and we're just going to stand up and be counted and I, I i love that about this because it's, it's time to get out of the shadows out of the closets out of hiding in the local church and stand up and be like look i'm not here to divide this church but I, I do believe what I believe. And, yeah. you know, I can't tell you how many people have contacted me over the years. Oh, I'm on the, I'm on the worship team, or, I'm the, or even I'm the pastor of the church. And I, <laughs> I can't say anything about what I really believe. I just interviewed a, a pastor in this situation two weeks ago. Once it became known what his beliefs were, he was essentially squeezed out of the church yeah. that he founded. So here's the question. Do we want to just survive and have a survivalist mi- mindset that says, oh, well, let's just be timid, let's not rock the boat, because then we don't want to suffer? Or do we want to change the way the world is and the way that this keeps happening over and over to people, where people are getting crushed under the system of quote-unquote orthodoxy, and there's no freedom of discussion or tolerance of deviation on this subject, like there is on many other subjects? Uh, exactly. If we want to change that, then we got to do something different. If we do everything the same, it's just going to be. I'm preaching at you now. Sorry about that, but you got me <laughs> yeah. all fired up with your your New Yorker speech there. I'm I'm just loving it. So talk to me about what shows are in the tank. What do, what do you already have in the list, and uh, how, how has that been received so far? The shows have been received very well. Episode one was the launch where I wanted to explain some things, get people maybe acclimated to my style, including sound effects and. That was to present one aspect of my program, which is going to be sometimes just me talking. Things that I want to say that I focus on the broad community, big things that any Unitarian from any denomination could glean from, could learn from, and could benefit from, essentially. So that was episode one. And then episode two, I went into the interview with Hildy Chandler. That's Keegan's mom who wrote the book, The God of Jesus, and the the experience she had when Keegan came over and told her and her husband that he was no longer Trinitarian. And it's just fantastic. Hildy is and just And the nine-hour conversation that, that that started at yes. the kitchen table. Or, yeah. So the podcast is nine hours long. I actually had to recount, recount <laughs> it line by line. No, kidding. So those two kinds of things, sometimes just a topical content, probably mostly be interviews. I want to talk with people who, like I mentioned, uh, maybe somebody who's a, a chaplain. I'm going to have a talk about working at an organization that is a Christian organization, a traditional Christian organization. I'm going to talk about uh, the oneness movement and coming out of the oneness movement to become a Unitarian Christian. 
those are a few that I have in the tank. I'm hoping to find more. You know, if somebody has a great story and wants to email podcast at unitarianchristianalliance.org, I would appreciate that. Very there smooth, are, I mean, Mark, I, very smooth. That was, a, that was a plug, I think they call it. <laughs> I'm going to plug it again later, but it's good to have one in the middle here. You know, I actually made a big list of the kinds of things that I think would be fascinating. I just need to find people that have those stories. For me, it's not, like I said, it's not about just how you became a Unitarian. I want to know how you live in your life, in your area, as a Unitarian Christian, how that has affected you. Like the example of working at a Christian organization where at some point they may decide, let's have a statement of faith that everybody signs. Oh, okay, that gets interesting. Or working for a, a charity organization and having to be around people who think you're not even Christian. What does that mean? How does that work? Yeah. Uh, those kinds of things. That's great. Well, anything else about the podcast that you'd like to let Restitutio listeners know about? Well, Sean, one of my underlying goals, and the reason that I decide to poke here and there and to make maybe a little bit light of something, is to dislodge the kind of framework, the mental framework that many of us experience. A lot of churches are very rigid in the way they operate. The teaching should be very systematic. It should be clear, it should be direct, maybe have just outlines. You know, there's a lot of things that we experience in typical churches that are that are not disruptive or dislodging. It's very confirming and supportive of what we believe. You know, you have a sermon to remind you what you believe and why it's right. You don't have a sermon to make you question and, you know, really challenge you on something, at least not every church. Some pastors stand up and say, don't believe anything I say. Look it up for yourself. Other pastors kind of take the role of, hey, if you ask questions after church, I'm going to look at you funny, and you probably need to be somewhere else. There's a spectrum of people. I want my podcast to work a little bit like fracking does. People are going to churches. They're being exposed to the scriptures. There might be, it might be a Trinitarian church. That's fine. I don't, I'm glad that people are seeking, that they're there, that they're searching. And in the act of being at church, they're exposed to the scriptures. And then there they get the taste, the flavor of what is the scripture about? Now, maybe this pastor says one thing. But somewhere inside, they're like, but I think there's something else. There's something more in this passage. I'm feeling it. And to me, it's like what fracking does. Deep under all the pressure of sediment, piled layer upon layer, there is gas. You know, there's fuel under the earth. And what they do to get it out is they have to crack it. They have to break and dislodge that kind of intense pressure that is making it hard to access. I want the podcast to work a little bit like that. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I'll certainly be comfortable breaking open a mindset that you might have had to give you the opportunity to think about it differently than you had before. There's just so much truth trapped in scriptures. And as Hildy described in her interview, there are moments when you when the scales fall off her eyes. As Hildy described in her interview, that moment when the scales fell off her eyes and she saw something that she had never seen before, you know, that took her son Keegan to do the fracking, to crack open the layers of deep, pressured culture and learning. I intend the podcast to work that way as well. So instead of telling people what to believe, I want them to be able to think better. I want them to be able to think more freely, to not worry so much about what will so-and-so say if I'm doing a reading a book on this, or what will they say if they see a, a heretical book on my coffee table when they come over? I'm like, hey, I'm just learning things. It's okay. It's okay to learn things. It's okay to discover and study. It's okay to ask hard questions. Yeah, I think a lot of times the fear of asking hard questions keeps us in bondage, and the information age presents us with an opportunity to get answers to 
hard questions in a reasonable mm -hmm. way. Whereas in the old days, like you, if you didn't live near a, a proper library, university library, uh, forget about the times when there weren't universities yet, uh, your access is so limited. But now today we live in this incredible time where I believe a reformation is already underway. I mean, these things can't be identified a lot of time until a generation or two later when you look back on it. But um, my goodness, just in my lifetime, I've seen incredible growth of the Unitarian Christian movement, and not just in my state or in my country. I'm talking about around the world. Uh, I'm in touch with uh, churches and denominations around the world who hold to this message and are making inroads in other places and converts. And I believe this is a truth whose time has come, and I'm excited to see what the UCA podcast does to contribute to that. I think it really does fit a need, a, a niche, where nobody else is really doing the same thing that you're doing. And, and, and no, cer certainly none of the rest of us have the radio training. So, you know, you, you win there anyhow. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Uh, full disclosure, Mark's actually not getting paid for all of this of this work. He is uh, very graciously volunteering his time to do it. And uh, so I want to thank you for that, Mark. Mm -hmm. uh, and just uh, ask you one last question. If you could snap your fingers okay. and change one thing about Unitarian Christians or Unitarian Christianity, what would it be? I would want them to have the confidence and the inner peace of knowing what they're talking about is true. They're talking like the apostles talked. They say the words that the apostles said. They talk about Jesus as the Christ, just like they did all the time. They don't talk about Jesus as God incarnate, just like they didn't talk about Jesus as God incarnate. I would want Unitarian Christians to have a deep peace of knowing what I'm talking about here is incredibly sound and incredibly good and appropriately close to what the scripture teaches. Even if it's not perfect, it is so close that it's it's just should be comfort inducing. And in that confidence of knowing that what I believe is true, that they have peace in dealing with others who would challenge them and criticize them, that they can just slough it off, not care that their pastor thinks that they're weird, not care that their neighbors look at them funny. Yeah, it's not cool when that happens, and we can do something about it. One way you do you deal with it is you be loving and kind and be confident. I love the line you put in your show at the end, truth has nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It's okay to just be confident in what you believe and just let people talk. If they want to tell you everything that they think is wrong about you, just graciously sit and listen in confident peace that if, in fact, they tell you something that is, in fact, true— and you were wrong on something that, you know what? God will help you learn it, and you can make an adjustment and move on. Life is okay. Learning and discovering theology and the scriptures, it's all okay. It's fun. It's wonderful. It's pleasant. It's encouraging. It's heartwarming. And it doesn't matter what people say. Just move through life graciously and with love and with kindness and say, this is what I am. I understand this, and I sound a lot like these dudes in the New Testament, so don't give me a hard time. <laughs> Sound a lot like these dudes in the New Testament. Sounds like a new slogan. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love, hey, I love that. Could that. Be a podcast episode. There you go. Uh, I love that attitude you convey there. And, uh, you know, I think there are some of us out there 
in internet land who maybe are a little too gung-ho and looking to start fights and pick on people. Uh, but I think those are fewer than the people who are <laughs> in the closet and underconfident. And I'd, like, I'd love to see the loudmouth ones who are ungodly or unkind, you know, that they would be respectful or just not participate. But um, th there's just a huge army of people that are in the category that you're speaking to here. And, and we do need them. We need their voices and we need them to mm -hmm. link arms with us. Uh, so uh, tell people how, how they can join the UCA. Tell us about the, the different options for membership. You have the free membership, the paid membership, and, mm -hmm. and then anything else you'd like to conclude with here. Okay. Well, the website is unitarianchristianalliance.org, and there's a place there to join. We have a free membership, which is probably what in fact, what most people do, because it's just free and it gets you in there. It helps you find and connect with other people in your area. The UCA provides that tool to click on other people based upon their proximity and send them a message. We are very careful about privacy. We, you can put any name you want on yourself. You can call yourself Kittens Bubblegum if you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but somebody might reach out to you and then you can decide, hey, I'm going to follow up and email them back and then you can create a connection. So it, we are very thoughtful about privacy. We're allowing people to put only as much as they want to put in there. You have a little opportunity to put a profile, to describe yourself a little bit. It'll help others maybe if they find you. So the free membership gets you all of that. The paid membership is just because you want to support the work. You know, we use those, those funds to pay for the podcast hosting, to pay for the URL. You know, they're little expenses that we're using this for. We're going to be using them later if COVID doesn't stop the next UCA meeting that will help have a UCA conference in the next fall. You know, that's what the paid memberships are for. Mm -hmm. So you have an option to give whatever you want or just a specific amount, but it is totally up to you. You'll also find the podcast on that page as well as some resources where we list other podcasts and other websites. There's a frequently asked questions section under about, which has a lot of questions that we've gotten over the years. And I think that's very helpful for people understanding, well, what can I do? How will I use this site? And there's also an option to create a group. So once you've become a member, you have a section called My Groups. And if your group isn't already listed in there, you can create a group as well. And that's where you might list your church or an internet church or a ministry. There's different options for that as well. Did I cover Very, everything, Sean? Yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So any of you out there who are Unitarian Christians listening to this, uh, please, uh, please come on the website. It's completely safe and anonymous if you don't want to ha use your real name as a screen name. Uh, a lot of mm -hmm. us do use our real name. Certainly if you attend uh, a Unitarian home church, house church or brick-and-mortar church or an online church, whatever it is you do, list that if it's not already there as well, so that others can find you, so that others can join your group, mm -hmm. whether it's in person or online or both. And this way, we can support each other and have that community and that camaraderie, especially in, in areas where there aren't traditional churches to meet the needs of the people. Currently, we have 34 countries represented by membership at UCA, which is phenomenal. 34 countries across the planet. That's now, in case somebody's listening to this later, it's at the end of 2020, 34 countries. I really want to encourage people who live in areas where they aren't close to people to consider signing up. They may think there's nobody there, but there might be. 
so that the globe essentially will be peppered by Unitarian Christians everywhere. So you almost can't go somewhere and not find us so that somebody anywhere in the future says, I think I've come to a different understanding. They go in, they find out, they become a member, and lo and behold, there's somebody 20 minutes from them. That'll only happen when people decide to sign up and to make their presence known to the world. Fill this place up. Let's just, I want to one day see pins on the earth that just show where we all are and the place is just packed by Unitarian Christians. And it just starts with each person deciding, I want to stick my voice into this. I want to put my name out there, or at least my fake name. I want to put me on the map. There is a Unitarian Christian in Tallahassee. There's a Unitarian Christian in Alaska. Look, there's one in Hawaii, and now there's one in Japan and Korea. I just want to see those. I think the other people who are seeking and searching will desperately appreciate finding those people out there. Absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Thanks so much, Mark, for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Well, that concludes this interview. If you'd like to get in touch with Mark Kane, you can email him podcast at unitarianchristianalliance.org or leave him a message by phone at 615-581-1158 or go to the UCA webpage, unitarianchristianalliance.org and find out more about the organization. I've got a couple of other links in the show notes if you're curious about Mark Kane. And uh, please do subscribe, whether in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever you use, to the UCA podcast. There's only three episodes out so far, but they're, they're well worth your time to listen to. Furthermore, if you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment, you can do that by coming on to restitutio.org and looking for episode 368, Introducing the UCA Podcast, and leaving your comment there. In a recent post from a couple days ago called Who is the Us in Genesis 126, I quoted Michael Heiser's famous book called The Unseen Realm and his commentary on that text where he says, quote, seeing the Trinity in Genesis 126 is reading the New Testament back into the Old Testament, something that it, that isn't a sound interpretive method for discerning what an Old Testament writer was thinking. Unlike the New Testament, the Old Testament has no Trinitarian phrases. He goes on, the triune Godhead idea is never transparently expressed in the Old Testament. Since other references to divine plurality involve divine beings who are less than Yahweh, we must be careful about attributing the language of divine plurality to the Trinity. Doing so will get us into theological trouble in other passages. And then Heiser goes on to argue for God speaking to his divine counsel rather than some sort of hint of the Trinity here in Genesis chapter 1. Now, for full disclosure, Heiser, of course, is a Trinitarian, which is why these quotations are all the more striking. The most powerful witness, of course, is a hostile witness who corroborates what it is you're saying as well. So take a look at that article if you haven't already. John writes in on that article saying, Thank you for the scholarship. Like many others, I too have wondered whom God may have spoken to. The default for many is he was speaking to Jesus in a pre-human heavenly existence. Uh, Well, I think, John, you're absolutely right about that, that this is the dominant view among non-scholars and non-specialists. But when I look at the New English translation, the Net Bible, in their footnote, uh, which is more or less a distillation of Dallas Theological Seminary scholarship, to a large degree at least, uh, they're very clear that God is speaking to his angelic host, and uh, Mike Heiser, who is the resident scholar for Logos Bible Software, also agrees with that, and a number of others. 
the interpretation that God is speaking to the earth and saying, let us make humans and so on, and our image runs aground with the question of how is it that we are in the earth's image? It's a little difficult. And the idea of the plural of majesty, I've heard some Hebrew experts say that that is a, uh, that is a good hypothesis. Sp- uh, specifically, I heard Nehemiah Gordon say that in, um, in a conference and argue for that position, and I certainly wouldn't question his Hebrew knowledge. He's fluent in Hebrew, lived in Israel for years. Uh, but then Mike Heiser, who is also a, a Hebrew scholar, says that that interpretation has been thoroughly debunked when it comes to verbs. And uh, so so I'm not sure what to say about the plural of majesty idea. I think it is simpler just to look at God as speaking to the heavenly court, which according to Job 38, we know was there uh, offering praise during the act of creation itself. So um, so I think that's the best game in town. What do you think? Come on to restitutio.org and uh, under articles, uh, I've got another category there under articles called short articles, and these are like the blog posts that I'm referring to here, who is the us in Genesis 126. I'd love to hear, love to hear your thoughts on this as well, and please do share this with others. Um, you know, this is one of the ways that we can spread the word and at least, if not convince people, at least take a bullet out of the gun. Eventually, if we can take enough bullets out of the Trinitarian gun, uh, when the apologist goes to shoot it, they'll discover that, in fact, the magazine is empty. And that would be a wonderful day, wouldn't it? So thanks, everybody, for listening to the end. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to you can do that at restitutio.org. Uh, this is a 501c3, so if you're looking for a place to make year-end contributions. uh, we, We sure would appreciate it. We'll see you next week, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.